Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. My flow dropped like an earthquake, 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 earthquake. Hello there and welcome to episode 61 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Today we'll be previewing the match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and the San Jose Earthquakes as the Vancouver Whitecaps play in their 40th anniversary game this Saturday at BC Place. Joining me today will be our regular co-host, Aaron Campbell. Great to be here this week, Steve. Like I said before, we're going to be covering that 40th anniversary game. They've announced the Ring of Honor. There's going to be Bobby Leonard who's going to be the first one. And there's three others, Dominic Mobilio, Andrea Neal, and Carl Valentine. And there'll be a fifth one that'll be voted on by fans. Right now, if you look at Twitter, it seems like the write-in vote of Martin Nash seems to be gaining ground here. Well, my write-in vote was for Martin Nash. It'd, see, it'd be nice to see him get into the Ring of Honor. He was a white cap for longer than most players stick around in the Whitecaps organization. And even though his brother's part owner, he deserves to be in for what he did on the soccer pitch. No, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I would probably vote for him as well. But in other news, uh, the Whitecaps had a, f- a friendly exhibition type match against the Victoria Highlanders. It was a reserve team. There was quite a few residency players in there as well. They ended up losing one nothing. But more importantly, there were a couple of injuries that happened in there. Sam Adekube and Ethan Sampson. Yeah, Sam tweeted earlier today that it's only a partial MCL tear. The tweet was up for about an hour before he took it down, and that's going to hurt us moving forward with these big games against Toronto, Columbus, San Jose coming up. Sam was one of the players where you knew he was going to get minutes with Harvey having played all 90 minutes of every game this season. Something Robson mentioned on Tuesday where these younger players are going to get minutes moving forward. And just the timing of this injury couldn't be worse for Sam. Uh, it, it could be worse for Sam. The Whitecaps are a little bit okay there too because Christian Dean can slide over to left back. He's done it in the past. I think the if no matter what you think about Ethan Sampson, that's going to be a little bit hurtful because they have no other right back to even slide over. Uh, they got they could put Nigel Rio Coker there, but what kind of mental state is he going to be in if you put at right back and obviously fitness too? Yeah, fitness I think will be the biggest issue. Him playing right back, he's looked gas every game this season his match fitness every week we we mention it it's just not up to par so if we're just gonna throw him in a right back and with Betasher leaving for the world cup who knows how long Samson is out I don't think that's a position he can play for six weeks eight weeks Samson's really injured for the whole world cup while Betasher's away so I'd like to see us bring somebody in on loan or even a trade a trade would work too Nigel's trade bait 
if we can get somebody good for him, decent salary, yeah, that would also work. So, and another news: there was last night a tweet out. I think it was Mike Marnegro retweeted it. According to uh, somebody in, uh, like somebody running a Roger a Rangers fanzine in Scotland, said that they were told by a family member of Kenny Miller's that he had refused a deal for the Whitecaps and had signed uh, deals with somebody in Scotland. I don't know if they specify Scotland or Europe. I think it was Scotland, right? It's, yeah, it's, it was, it was yeah. Scotland. And the, the rumor said he turned down an offer of $1.2 American for a one-year contract to play for the Whitecaps. And that's just not believable. The funny thing is that an hour after the rumor, we got some tweets from Kenny Miller's wife that are out of the norm for her. She's a big tweeter, but... First one was ask, believe, receive. We've known she's wanted out of Vancouver for a while and she misses her homeland, Scotland. And the second one was good morning. Today's going to be a good day. And like I said, that was a couple hours after this rumor came out from a family member. I'm not saying who I think it is, but 1.2 million on a contract for Kenny Miller to stay in Vancouver. I don't believe it. Basically, we saw that coming anyways a little while ago, and it looks like it's going to happen. And the Whitecaps obviously have, we we think, and we've talked about it before, we think they have a plan for somebody to come in to take Kenny Miller's spot on the pitch itself and in the salary structure. So that's enough from us about the news and notes for this week. Let's go over and talk to one of our, our weekly segments where we talk to the coaches. And we'll be talking this week to Gordon Forrest. Now, the team hasn't uh, beaten Western Conference opposition so mm-hmm. far this season. What do you put that down to? I mean, I'm not sure. We're, we're obviously, we've got a few new faces in the team. We're, we're still uh, developing and growing as a, as a team as well. And again, going into this game, it's uh, another you know, challenging, challenging game. You know, we've, we've done our uh, homework on, on San Jose. We know we've seen their strengths. We've, we've looked at their weaknesses. And again, these two days that are coming up Thursday, Friday, we'll, we'll you know, finalise our preparation to, to hopefully get a good, good performance and, and result of the weekend. What, do you, what kind of like, threat do you feel San Jose poses? Is it more like the physical part? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a physical team. They've got um, you know, talented players within the team as well you know, um, that, that, that can play. But um, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to think about you know, these, these strengths where, where they have got a, you know, a few presences you know, for set plays, you know, for, for, for longer balls balls you know for picking up the second phases as well so we've got to be aware of that compete with that and then you know we've got to think about ourselves and you know what we do do well to try and to try and break them down Welcome back, and we're now joined by Elliot Allman from the San Jose Mercury News. He covers the San Jose Earthquakes for them. Welcome, Elliot, to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Well, the first thing we want to talk about is the offseason. The biggest news for the San Jose Earthquakes was the re- retention of Mark Watson as their coach. What was the general reaction of the players, the supporters, and the media over this decision? like it was a no-brainer, Steve. I think it would have been big news had the earthquakes gone a different direction. When Smart took over the team last June, and it's almost hard to remember that it all took place the way it did with Frank Yollop suddenly leaving and and Mark working as an interim coach. But the team really switched gears once Mark took over. Not 
perhaps only because of his coaching, a lot of things took place, but he was the catalyst and the leader in, in turning things around. Therefore, everybody expected him to return as a, as a full-time coach. This is his first full-time coach in MLS, so there was just no surprise. What, what does he bring to the club that, that differs from what Frank Yellow brought when he was with the team? I think it's, it's almost not what he brought that was different, but what he kept was the stability and a seamless transition because you guys know these are both uh, British Columbia guys, so you know both of them well. Uh, they have the same kind of philosophy, the way they coach, the way they treat players, the way they like to see the game played. So there was a seamlessness, if you will, in the transition. But what Mark did, I think it was a wake-up call for the players to see somebody who had been there from the beginning. Uh, when I say beginning, I mean 2008 in the re-entry of, of the earthquakes, the reinvention of the earthquakes. Now, what Mark did immediately was he felt the team wasn't playing tough enough defense. It was too easy to break down. Therefore, there was, they just weren't able to win when the, when the games were close. So he put all his emphasis on that, and I think he saw a great transformation of the team. But the Whitecaps picked up a player in Stephen Bettishorth who was with the San Jose Earthquakes for quite a while. What was the main reason why he left the club, uh, the, you know, the stories behind it? Was it a, a contract issue, or was there something else, maybe a, a difference of style, differing of style of what, what Mark Watson was looking for? I appreciate, I appreciate the question because I just talked to Stephen a couple hours ago and have a story online at uh, mercurynews.com where uh, we explain it a little bit. It, it was only about money. Soccer is a business, a cold, hard business at times. The Quakes wanted to keep Stephen as their right back. The fans wanted him. He was incredibly popular inside the locker room and outside. He's a San Jose native. Uh, but the Quakes also didn't feel they could uh, afford him uh, at the price, I believe, uh, that the Vancouver Whitecaps have, are paying. So there you have it. In fact, I looked at the uh, MLS Players Union figures. We don't know if those are exactly accurate, but it gives us a good gauge of what salaries are. And San Jose picked up two right-backs for about the same price that Vancouver's paying Stephen. Have you noticed the difference on the field, like an impact of what Bettisher offered last year to what the new right-backs are giving this year? San Jose is six games into its season. Vancouver has two more games in MLS play because of the Champion League uh, scheduling. I think it's really early to make too much out of it, but Steven is fantastic. This guy's an all-star, MLS all-star. He's probably going to be playing in the World Cup this summer. You just can't easily replace that. Now, the first guy they got from the New York Red Bulls, Brandon Barkledge, just came in. He's just been struggling with injuries practically since he's arrived. But the German, Andres Gorlitz, has started the last two games. Those are his first two games of MLS play. He looked smart and good at Colorado, but he looked a lot more dynamic at home last weekend against Chivas. It's going to take him some time to get going. One could argue that it, it could end up being a wash. But everybody just loves Steven and wishes, wishes that he was still down here and not up there. The earthquakes last year suffered through a slow start, and obviously that cost Frank Yallop his job. 
again, like you said before, it was it's a little early. They are they got just picked up their first win. Do they have enough to turn around, or do you think it is just a process of getting through that first little bit with Champions League? Probably the latter. Look, look for some context. I think management is extremely happy with the players that they have, feeling like they have everything covered uh, as much as you can in a, in a with this kind of salary cap uh, league that. that that both Vancouver and San Jose play in. So right now, I think they just feel they need to get everybody healthy. They have so many people banged up, first on the back line, then those guys get back a little bit, and then the, and then the, all the forwards get injured. So they just haven't felt uh, they've been able to punch it up a notch. And I think it's going to be really interesting Saturday to see, with, as the team is getting healthy, having to go to B.C. place where it's never won, what can it do? How can it play? Can it be more dynamic? It barely beat Chivas USA, who is not considered a power in, in this league by any means, and that was a home game. So there's a lot of questions out there, but there's a lot of time too. Which new addition in the offseason on the pitch itself do you think has made a difference or will make a difference going forward? Well, everybody's just, there's a huge buzz over Yannick uh, Diallo, the Benfica right winger who's there on loan. Every time, he has not been healthy, he's not played, he's not 90 minutes fit. My best guess is you guys will get to see him start the second half on Saturday. I'm not the coach, it's not my call, I have no idea. But that's my guess, that he will come in and start the second half. Every time he steps on the field, San Jose Earthquakes are a different team. Uh, you know, you hear it all the time, Stephen, that it takes 11 guys. Not one guy can be a game changer per se, but this is something like we see with Robbie Keane in L.A. It's, it's remarkable. And San Jose, if this guy gets healthy and can play the whole season, San Jose will be a dynamic team, a different kind of team, and it absolutely could come down to San Jose and Whitecaps for that fifth playoff spot. You're listening to Elliot Allman of the San Jose Mercury News. Elliot, Stephen Lenhart, I know he's been injured, obviously. Uh, he's missed the last three games. He, unlikely to play this one from the sounds of it. But a question about him. He seems to enjoy the the hatred he gets from opposition fans. Is, is that true? Or is it, is, does he think that's a role he needs to play in order to get the team going as well? It's a, it's a, I love that question because... You know, I haven't really talked to him specifically about that. He doesn't open up too much. In fact, he had a boycott on the media last year, although I think he's talking this year. And he, I saw him today at practice. Uh, he is not expected to play not only uh, Saturday, but uh, the Quakes have three games in eight days, starting with Vancouver, and he's not expected to play any of those games. Uh, so they're looking probably to get get him through, uh, get him healthy, maybe get to the World Cup break, I don't know. But Steven just knows one way to play. He's very aggressive. He's a huge pest. He doesn't try to be dirty. The reputation, it's really interesting to cover a guy. You know, you see him daily and you know him. And, and then for him to have this, you know, outside perception that he's just the big villain because he's, just not he's not a villain he's, he's a terrific person who plays very very hard uh, and that seems to be the quake style i mean when they saw him at columbus they wanted him because they didn't want to play against him 
Chris Wondolowski has scored half their goals so far. He scored three of the six goal, San Jose goals. How important is to get him go, keep keep him going, and how important is to get other people to help contribute with the scoring? Well, when when they scored seventy two goals in two thousand twelve for a club record, you know Chris had his twenty seven uh, to tie the single season MLS record, but they had Simon Dawkins and and, and uh, Alan Gordon. And uh, Lenny, uh, Stephen Linhart, as we were just talking about, all scoring lots of goals. They need more than Chris. If, if it's just going to be Chris, and let's say he returns to form and gets 16, 15, 16 goals, but if that's it, uh, they're not making the playoffs. They know that. They, they need a lot more. Allen needs to get going. Lenny needs to get going when he's healthy. I was talking to Shea Salinas today, and, and he was talking about he needs to grow into being a goal scorer. He doesn't need to score eight, but four or five a, a season would be really helpful. You remember Shay from when he was playing with you guys. And uh, Yannick Giallo looks like he scored his first goal in MLS the other night to help them win. It looks like he has the potential to be a real a real important goal scorer. So Chris has got to get going. The, the offense has got to get going because right now it's anemic and, and staggering. Uh, how much impact, uh, we're talking about Wondolowski, he's obviously up for, to possibly go to Brazil uh, with the U.S. national team. There's Goodson as well and Bernardes. How how much of an impact will those losses have on the earthquakes during that period? And do they have enough to main, you know maintain a steady run with those losses? If they lose all three, you know, I, we're talking about perhaps two games. Well, with camp, three games. I'm not sure. Maybe four. It's it's a huge loss. There's no question about it. That back line, Mark Watson, the coach, was talking today that you're going to see a lot. You're going to see how good our defenders are. We'll have other people in there when this, when these guys go to camp, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you're talking about Clarence Goodson and Victor Bernardez, that is a potent combination with center back. And and now with their fullbacks, they have one of the most experienced back four in the league, uh, that will be dismantled, as you point out. Losing Wando, who just is an Iron Man, and not only, you know, does he score goals, he never leaves the game, he, he, he plays hard on defense, he plays all over the field, he's the team leader. All of these are going to be, in my estimation, huge factors. Now, the team is rejecting my observation. In your area, uh, in, in your neighborhood in Northern California, there uh, over the weekend, uh, it, there was the debut of the Sacramento Football Club to an amazing crowd of 20,000 people. And a lot of people are talking about them now as possibly being a front runner to be a future MLS, you know, potential city. If they do come into play, what does that do for a rivalry between them and San Jose being so close together? You guys already have a, a rivalry with Los Angeles, but then you to have a club so close, it could, might even do better. Uh, nothing is going to... Uh... Dare I say this, Steve, dare I say it, but I can't imagine anything ever superseding the California Classico, the rivalry between the San Jose Earthquakes and the LA Galaxy. Now, down here in California, which were really two states, but we're just one big state, unfortunately, and there we act like different states and they just dislike each other, whether it's the Giants and Dodgers, and you know all this, but it goes on and on and on. And right now we have the Kings and LA Kings and 
the Sharks in the NHL playoffs disliking each other. But boy, do the Quakes fans, number one is the Galaxy, and nothing's going to change that. And because of, because of ancient rivalries, I say ancient, I mean uh, NASL rivalries, you know, Seattle's number two on that list, Portland's three, Vancouver's part of that in the old nasal days. It would still be a rivalry, of course, with Sacramento if that, if that ever came to be, and that was an amazing crowd. But we'll, we'll just have to see how that goes. I think the, the biggest rivalry would just be marketing in Northern California. The, the, obviously, we talked about the first win last week. What do the Quakes need to do against the Whitecaps in order to get, pick up their second in a row? They're going to have to look way more dynamic on offense, and, and it's not going to be easy going to BC Place playing. I, I realize the Whitecaps are a young team, but you look you look up and down their roster, and it's really interesting. And I think one of the more fun teams to watch this season because you have some really great veteran players mixed with the young up-and-comers, and, and that can sometimes be a potent mix. I know that wasn't your question. The Quakes should have... Uh, a really strong uh, defense. We expect that. I think um, I think Carl's going to be very aware of that and tell that to his players that it, they, it won't be easy to break them down and score. But I, at this point, I don't see the way they're playing so direct. When I say they, I mean San Jose Earthquakes. They're very one. They're one-dimensional uh, without Giallo, who probably won't start because he's not 90 minutes set. And until Jallo enters the game, Vancouver should should be able to uh, have a strong advantage. Now they need to take advantage of that and score. We'll see. What is your prediction for the game upcoming? Oh, I see. I see Vancouver. I see it one nothing. So there you have it. Which means it's going to be, you know, four to three or three nothing or something. Some high scoring game. <laughs> but uh, I just feel like both teams have terrific defenders. So I don't, I don't, I think it's going to be hard to break both teams down. San Jose not showing much in offense yet, being away from home. I'm not sure that they can get a goal uh, and uh, and get past and get past Vancouver. Maybe one one, but I think it's one nothing Whitecaps. So Elliot, before we let you go here, uh, where can we find you online? San Jose Mercury News is www.mercurynews.com. And like I said, I, there's a story posted on Stephen Betashore right now, plus some quake notes behind it. And that's where you find me. And I'm also on Twitter, just Elliot Almond. Please follow. <laughs> and thanks so much for the time. It was fun. No problem. Thanks a lot for joining us, Elliot. Take care. So that was Elliot Almond of the San Jose Mercury News. We thank him once again for joining us. So Aaron, game coming up against San Jose. I think everybody's disgusted to death basically this week. The most important factor is going to be the strong start. They got to get a strong start. They can't rely on coming back from these def- goal deficits. Yeah, it seems like most of the Caps like the nickname Comeback Kids, but that first eight, nine minutes against RSL was bad. It was really bad. Well, the whole half was bad, I think. Um, yeah, the whole half was bad. You know, I had to watch the game two or three times, and it was so hard getting through the first 80 minutes. 
but they need a strong start this game. They can't go down one or two goals to start at a home game. The crowd will get out of it. They need to keep the crowd energized, use the hustle. So yeah, they need to definitely need a strong start. They need to attack to start the game. Yeah, and, and I think the most important part of that strong start is, and obviously they've maybe worked on it this week, and it's about getting the strong, uh, right message across. Yeah, it seems like the last couple games, the only message they're listening to is Robinson's halftime speeches. Yeah. And I heard they're becoming pretty epic in the locker room to get the guys motivated. So, you know, they, Robbo makes a plan. The message they're given before the game, they'll have to fall that to start the game. Like, you don't get in 15 minutes after the game start to kind of, you know, get your feet under you, get going. The message he gives you, you need to start as soon as that first whistle goes. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can you can take 15 minutes to get your but the one thing you can't allow yourself to lack in is your defensive play, and that's another big point you, you brought up here. Yeah, last game, their defensive play, you know, like I was saying, the first eight minutes, there was none. You know, the the first goal... Leveron was a little slow getting to the striker. The second goal, Osted had no chance. And if they were marking properly, if they were ready to go, it would have only been one nothing. They still came back to get the draw, but you know they could have got a win if they're only down one. But yeah, the message needs to be heard this week. And the thing is with the the way they have to defend, it's going to be a little bit different than the last two weeks as well, because the San Jose plays a direct style. We all know it. Um, Elliot talked about it. Everybody knows the way they're going to do it. They don't change anything too much. And it's just a matter of stopping them. And they've done a pretty good job when facing them at home. Last year, Kofi, especially we talked, we talked about off air. Kofi did a fantastic, that was probably Kofi's best game last year when he was shutting down Lenhart and then Gordon came on and he basically shut him down too. He was very physical with them. So I think that's a, a big thing about being able to shut down their attack. They're going to bring guys down the wide areas, send the balls into the box, and see what happens. Yeah, this game is going to be big for Kofi Laba, middle of the field. You know, you got Wondolowski. He's he's a striker. He's a pure striker in MLS. His game fits MLS really well. You got Salinas on the wing, you know, leading the team with four assists. That's something where Harvey, you know, can't get sucked in. You know, they're going to have to step up and stop the attackers before they get into the attacking box. And just just shut them down. They, yeah. you know, we need we need a clean sheet. We need a clean sheet at home. Yeah, and the thing is with Wondolowski too, uh, he's fighting for a spot on the U.S. World Cup team, and so he's going to be very motivated, if not for just the team, but for other reasons too. And guys like the thing is right now they they basically have three people that scored goals for them. Uh, they've got three from Wondolowski, two from Bernardes, obviously probably coming from set pieces, and then one from their newcomer Giallo, who. As Elliot said, that probably won't start the game, but will come off the bench. So that's another reason to get off to a good start. They got to be make sure that guys like Gordon and other players don't get off as a Shania and start scoring goals in this game. Yeah, there's a lot of San Jose players that would like to get a goal. I know Atiba Harris needs to get on the needs to get his goal this season. I don't want it to come against Vancouver, but yeah, there's a lot of San Jose players that you know need to find the back of the net. I just hope it's not this game. So let's let's look at the formation a little bit here. We both talked about before we started here. We talked about there's obviously two formations they're going to use. Both make sense in a way. You thought they were going to play a four, four two three one. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a four two three one because San Jose's got the two strikers up top. I just thought it'd be a little easier than a four four two with Laba. I know he likes to play by himself in that defensive mid role, but Wondolowski, you got Gordon, you got Salinas and Harris out wide. 
You got Cronin and Koval in the middle. I was thinking a 4-2-3-1 just to defensively cover the players moving forward, but a 4-4-2 also makes sense. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too, a 4-4-2 diamond, only because they're playing at home. They While they do have, they do play with two strikers, they're central midfield. They don't really have an attacking type of player. Because with guys like Koval and Cronin, they're both more of a defensive kind of type of players. And so if those two guys are starting, it's it, highly unlikely that they have that extra person up top. Or they will, but they're not going to be that uh, dangerous. Yeah, one thing we got to mention is we don't want to play down to our opponents, yeah. right? We want we want our opponents to play to us. We don't want to change the way they play Dict- on the road. But dictate the, the, the flow of the play, basically. Yeah, like they're attacking team. They got the speed. They got the pace. Be the attacking team, you know. It's kind of like on the road this year. They're showing more of an attack. They're not playing for the draws, even though we're getting draws. But... Don't play down to the opponent. Play your game and let the opponent come to you. So let's look at who will start. I think obviously, no doubt, Osted. I know you don't. You don't have kind words for him all the time, but Osted, I think, will start in goal. I I have kind words for Osted. It's just with all these games coming up against Toronto, Columbus, Seattle, I want to see what Tornegi has to yeah. offer. Right? Osted hasn't been great this year. He's been good. He's been okay. But if we wanted okay. We could have kept Brad Knighton at a $60,000 salary. You know, salary shouldn't make a big difference. But in North American MLS soccer, salary is huge. So I'm a fan of Osted. I just want to see what Tornegi has to offer. And then the back line, I think we can all be sure, especially with the injuries this week, it's going to be Beta Shore and Harvey. They will be starting on the fullbacks. And I think O'Brien is definitely going to be there. I think Demer probably comes back in. If they sit about two straight games, it's essentially saying that his time here is done. So I think Demer definitely will come in and will play, take Lebron. Because Lebron really didn't show enough to take over his spot fully. Yeah, if Jay got sat for a home game, you know, after being sat again, that would just start rumors and trouble and questions for Robson during training that he just doesn't want to answer. So I see Jay getting the start too. In the 4-2-3-1, if we do that, obviously Lava and Kofi are going to be there. The three up top... Morales and Fernandez. Morales looks like he's healthy again. We've got word from Michael that he looks fitter than he was the week before, so he could get in there. Fernandez, I think he probably plays because of the goal and everything like that. And like Robinson said, he's impressed in training. The other spot is Maddox, the guy maybe, because he, he definitely impressed a little bit when he was playing a little bit wider out against RSL. And he, his, the first goal was basically off his shot because he was able to break wide along the box, beat the defender, and get the ball in. Yeah, he um in my four two three one, I see him starting as a striker because I don't see Kenny Miller starting. So I see Tybert, maybe Mesquita getting that start, but Tybert struggled the past two games. But there's a spot for Maddox to get in there if you're gonna throw Kenny Miller up top as the striker. The only thing is with Kenny I don't see him starting this game. Fernandez deserves to start, like you mentioned. You know, he, he brought energy into the game. It was an amazing goal. Morales, I hope he can get two or three straight games under his belt. Not, you know, two games. He's got to rest his back hurts. So, yeah, I got Fernandez, Morales, and maybe Tybert as the next one. I, I haven't made up my mind yet. Now, if they go 4-4-2 diamond, then it could be a little bit different. You got you still have Laba and Kofi there and Morales. I think the next guy might be either Tybert or Mesquita because they would probably play better as a central midfielder, obviously. And then you have a combination of either Fernandez, you can play up top with Maddox, 
or Kenny Miller playing up with top of Maddox and they keep Fernandez off the bench again one more week. But it's, it's, it's too hard to predict because there's so many options right now and in the formation, we don't know what it's going to be. It's almost impossible to predict this time. Yeah. It's a nice problem for Robinson to have where he has those 18 guys at any game anybody can start. It's something Rennie didn't always have you know you usually pushed out the same starting 11 so it's a nice problem to have it's great for guys like us who talk on a podcast about the white cap yeah, there's always to something out, to I'm, talk about i'm scratching my head and we haven't even mentioned Hurtado. and I, let's not mention him because that would be just take another two three minutes so that's our thoughts on the uh, what we think about san jose and vancouver here are the thoughts of michael mccall in trio time with a special appearance by predicta pooch so on Saturday we're going to party like it's 1974. Earthquakes are coming to town. Some keys for the game for the Whitecaps in this one. It's Partly the usual story, but also a little bit different as well. First of all, they're going to have to cope with the physicality of San Jose. Now, it was funny, Jay Demerit was asked about that at training on Thursday, and his comment was, he, he's prepared, he's getting his elbows sharpened already to look forward to the game. We might joke, but it is a, a thing that San Jose have, an advantage over other teams. They're very physical. Some teams can't play against that. The Whitecaps' defence, especially the central defenders of Demerit and O'Brien, because I think that's who it's going to be. They have to cope with the, the threats of Lenhard, Wondolowski, Bernardes, and, and just basically do what Christian Dean did to Lenhard in the, in the pre-season, just flatten him. Another key for me is Darren Maddox. He's scored two goals now in the last two home games, and he has to continue to build on that form. I think we might see Darren play a little bit further out left, which he kind of did a little bit to great success against RSL on Saturday past. We need to get him running. We need to get him running at that San Jose defence. And this then ties in with my other point. We need to get more from Kenny Miller. He has to start producing. All the rumours are that he's going to be away come the end of his contract at the end of June. So we have to get the maximum out of Miller that we possibly can get. And that means he has to bury some chances. He has to score from open play and not just penalties. So him and Matix have to link together and basically just get the job done and, and get some goals on the board. I think it's going to be a tough game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Whitecaps victory. But you know what? If they lose an early goal and they're chasing the game again, San Jose is going to make it a bit tougher. And can they out-goonie the goonies? We'll see. So now it's everyone's favourite part of the show. It's time for Predict-a-Pooch. And we're, we're going to bring you some doggy style as always. And Predict-a-Pooch... He's on a bad run of form now. That's like two weeks in a row. He's not been very good with his predictions. He has asked me to point out, though, that he didn't know about the stoppage time stuff. Um, he just wants to, to predict over the 90 minutes. I've told him that can't happen and he has to go to the end of the game. So let's see what he'll do for the special 40th anniversary match on Saturday. We have three balls as always. We have a big chuck it ball. If he brings that back, that's going to be a Whitecaps win. We have a normal pen tennis ball, and if he brings that back, that's going to be a draw. And we have a small orange ball. 
uh, Chris Wanderlowski ball, if you want to, to call it that. And if he brings that back, that's going to be a San Jose win. So let's hope he doesn't bring that back. So let's see what he's going to do this week. Predictapooch, are you ready? On your marks, get set, fetch those balls. So we've thrown them in the corner. Go, go, go. What's he going to bring back? He's heading, he's always torn again between two. And he has brought back the tennis ball this week. Predictapooch is going for the draw. But yep, that's what Predictapooch is saying. He's gone for the tennis ball. He's gone for the draw. And that's going to mean that the Whitecaps still have not beaten Western Conference opposition. So until next time, goodbye from me and goodbye from Predictapooch. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one now. So that was Michael McCall with Trio Time and Predictapooch, who predicted a draw between the Vancouver Whitecaps and the San Jose Earthquakes. So before we get to our own predictions, let's look at the games in the MLS that interest us, other than this obvious game that we're talking about. Aaron, do you have a game there? Yeah, the game I have is uh, New York Red Bulls at FC Dallas. Uh, New York, you know, the two wins, two losses, five draws. Um, They are undefeated in the last three games. You know, they got a draw against Columbus. A big 4 nothing win against the Dynamo and a 2-1 win over Philadelphia. Uh, I was on the Red Bulls Twitter site earlier today and there's a lot of talk about Terry Henry if he's coming back next season. So, you know, this might be the last chance for some fans other than Vancouver where he never plays to see him play again. We got a big win from DC last week against Dallas. Dallas only has one win in the last three games. That surprised me. You know, they have a record of five wins, two losses, one draw. And what really surprised me about Dallas was their scoring by committee. They have four players with three goals. Diaz, Perez, Mikel, and Watson. And Hedges and Castillo had two goals. So for a team with 18 goals, you know, 16 of them are from five players. So they got a committee scoring on their team this season. So that really surprised me about them. The the thing about that too is just uh the two of those players one of those players definitely will not be playing that's Mikel he got the red card against DC United last the straight red card which they tried to have reviewed but I I don't think MLS bought it or anything like that so that one that one definitely will happen and Diaz he came off the at halftime with an injury not sure how he didn't show up in the injury report but I because I guess he's good to play if he is good to play FC Dallas definitely has a chance to do something there yeah in the preview I saw they had Diaz starting but who knows what the MLS injury report you know last minute it's, things happen exactly it's not reliable they always want to they don't want to uh, promote an injury of one of their star players so the other team goes for the that injury let's go back to the San Jose Vancouver game Aaron how do you think this game's going to go what's your prediction uh, my prediction this week is I was thinking 2 nothing Whitecaps win Osted in that. We haven't had many clean sheets. So I changed it last minute. I'm going with a 2-1 Whitecaps win. We're still going to get the win. I'd like to see the clean sheet, but we haven't got one in a long time. So I'm going 2-1. I'm going to go a little bit different. Uh, I, will, I will go with your prediction, actually, the one you initially thought. I think it's going to be a 2 nothing win. I think they will pick up the clean sheet. I think they've kind of figured out a little after the first couple of years, they figured out Wondolowski a little bit, and I think they will be able to keep him off the sheet. I think the other, other than that, they really have nothing dynamic going up front. So I think that will be a big difference for that. So that's what we think is going to happen in the match. Before we go, we head off here, Aaron, where can we find you online? You can find me at Twitter at double A camp 81. That's A A C A M P 81. 
You can also find me covering the Whitecaps for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News and also covering the Whitecaps for Last Word on Sports. And my name is Steve Pander, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Once again, we'd like to thank our guests today, Elliot Almond from the San Jose Mercury News, Michael McCall from AFTN, and Predicta Pooch from A Fire Hydrant Near You. So for Aaron Campbell, my name is Steve Pander. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the pitch. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it, you know? Legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?